Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today. This time it's for Tuesday, September 29th of 2020. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And as always, we're standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. USDA has released updated counts of cattle and hog production in Texas. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll take a look at those numbers coming up. A look at the progress of small grains and row crops across the state in the early days of fall. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas dodges tropical storm beta, but water issues with Mexico are starting to boil. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have all those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at today's markets. All of that coming up, but first, here's a look at news headlines. USDA released its monthly cattle on feed report Friday afternoon, showing record high numbers of cattle in feedlots. Gary Crawford has more from Washington. Some big numbers in Friday's USDA report on cattle feedlot activity. First, the inventory of cattle and calves in feedlots with a capacity of 1,000 head or more. September 1st, 11.4 million head. The highest inventory level since the series began in 1996. USDA Livestock Analyst Shale Shagham told us, Despite the fact that returns for cattle feeders during August were negative, they were still putting large numbers of animals on feed. Just over 2 million head last month, 9% more than August of 2019. One possible reason? There are some areas, especially in places like the Intermountain region, which were extremely dry, which might have encouraged producers to be offering those cattle. We did see fairly large placements in Colorado during August. As to the backlog of cattle in feedlots that built up during April and May, Shagham says it's being worked down pretty well, but looking at the percentage of the feedlot inventory on feed for over 150 days, that number's still a little bit higher than it was pre-COVID. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Now that report Gary was talking about was a nationwide feedlot count. USDA also released specific estimates of cattle and hogs on feed here in Texas. Jessica Domel takes a look at those numbers. There were 2.85 million head of cattle and calves on feed in Texas feedlots with the capacity of 1,000 head or more September 1st. That's up 4% from the same time last year. Producers placed 440,000 head in commercial feedlots in Texas in August. That's up 1% from a year ago. Texas commercial feeders marketed 430,000 head in August, down 4% from 2019. There were 1.06 million hogs and pigs in Texas as of September 1st, down 12% from September of 2019. Of those, 140,000 were breeding hogs. As of September 1st, there were 920,000 market hogs in Texas, making up 87% of the total hog inventory. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
Corn harvest moving rapidly across the Lone Star State. USDA's latest crop progress and condition report released on Monday afternoon showing that 70% of the Texas corn crop now harvested. That is right on pace with the five-year average of 68%. Cotton harvest now picking up steam. We're at 22% of the cotton harvested. 60% of the crop now has open bowls. Sorghum harvest starting to wind down. We're 85% done on sorghum harvest, well ahead of the 72% five-year average pace. And winter wheat planting is moving fast. 31%, just about a third of the winter wheat crop now in the ground across Texas. Now with more on that Texas Crop Progress Report, here's Tom Nicoletti. The Texas Crop Progress and Livestock Condition Report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Agricultural Statistics Service starts off with small grains. Seeding of small grains made good progress in areas where weather allowed and there was sufficient moisture. Producers in other areas of the state are continuing to make preparations to seed or waiting for drier conditions. On row crops, corn harvest has begun in some areas of the northern high plains and southeast Texas. Cotton harvest continued to progress in areas of the high plains northern low plains and the Edwards Plateau, while harvest slowed due to cool, wet conditions in areas of the southern Texas low plains, south central Texas, and the Blacklands. Peanuts continue to improve in the southern high plains, the Cross Timbers, and south Texas. Peanut harvest is expected to occur in a week or so in the Cross Timbers. Soybean and grain sorghum harvest continued in some areas of the Texas Blacklands. Now to fruit, vegetable, and specialty crops. Development of pecan orchards progressed favorably in areas of South Central and South Texas, as well as to Trans-Pecos. To livestock range and pasture conditions, supplemental feeding continued in South Central Texas and the Northern High Plains. Stock tanks in areas of Southern Texas and the Blacklands were reported full after receiving beneficial rainfall recently. Feral hog control continued in areas of Northeastern Texas, Pasture and range conditions were mostly rated good to fair. Now to stages of various crops based on maturity and harvested acres. That's uh, based on a percentage of acreage. Corn, there is uh, 84% mature across the state. Harvested, 69%. Cotton, 53% of the bowls are opening. Harvested cotton's at 20%. For peanuts, harvested uh, crops so far, 6% of uh, total acreage. Mature peanuts, 30%. Grain sorghum, coloring is at 95%. Maturity is at 88%. And harvesting of sorghum is at 81%. Soybeans dropped leaves at 71%. Harvested soybeans stands at uh, an even 50%. For sunflowers, 59% of that crop is harvested in the state. And winter wheat planted is 18% at this point and only 1% is harvested. The Texas Drought Monitor shows northeast, most of central Texas, and uh, most of south Texas free of any drought uh, at this point in the early fall. But many regions in the Texas panhandle still need rain. West Texas and far west Texas are showing various stages of severe to extreme to exceptional drought here in late September. Increased risk of large wildfires is still possible in many very dry areas of the state, so people need to be on the lookout and be cautious when working outdoors. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
The nationwide condition rating for the cotton belt is mixed this week, with the cotton crop better in some areas, worse in others. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. Looking at some of the condition ratings for cotton, the net change was a mixed bag, but we did see some condition declines, especially in the wetter areas of the southeast. Nationally, on September 27th, 43% of the cotton, good to excellent, 24%, very poor to poor. A week ago, those numbers were 45% and 27% nationally. To try to keep that all straight, we actually saw a decrease in the good to excellent ratings, but also a decrease in the very poor to poor ratings. So again, a mix in the overall condition change there. But I will point out that, again, in some of those wettest states, we did see condition declines. Louisiana, for example, a week ago, 53% good to excellent. That number has fallen to 42%. Georgia, 70% good to excellent a week ago, currently 64%. So mainly a change coming out of good to excellent and falling into lower categories such as fair seems to be what we're seeing in the wettest areas of the southeast. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. Extreme South Texas dodged Tropical Storm Beta, but water issues with Mexico are becoming a big problem. Jim Hearn reports from the Rio Grande Valley. A strong tropical storm called Beta has made landfall on the mid-Texas coast. Not much wind, but a lot of water. Valley producers feel very lucky to have missed this storm, and we hope that everyone is safe. Water is our key topic in this report. As we discussed in our last report, Mexico is quickly coming up on its five-year water cycle, October the 24th, and they still owe the U.S. approximately 350,000 acre-feet of water. While the Mexican president has stated we need to pay the water debt, it's falling on deaf ears of farmers and business leaders that are along the Rio Conchos River where much of that water will be diverted from. Protesters have recently stormed the dam there at La Boquilla and taken over the dam, closing its gates in defiance of the Mexican president. Two of the protesters were killed in that incident. Growers along the Rio Conchos and elsewhere do not want to send the U.S. any water, as outlined in the 1944 Water Treaty. They want full control of all water that they think is Mexico's. The Water Treaty also regulates the water on the Colorado River that feeds the enormous citrus and vegetable production south of Arizona. The U.S. has never missed sending its share of Colorado River water to Mexico. Well, Mexican President Obrador has said recently that if Mexico cannot make the deadline, he would appeal to President Trump for understanding whatever that means. What it means to valley producers is buying surplus water on the open market at much higher prices, changing planting acreages, or not planting at all. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. There's an opportunity for landowners who are interested in enhancing grassland habitat for pollinators and birds like scale quail and northern bobwhite. I'm Jessica Dolmel. I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. And if you have a spring calving beef herd, preg checking those cows now should be on your to-do list. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd discusses the importance of finding open cows in your herd coming up next on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you have a spring calving beef herd, you want to find open cows now because it costs a lot of money to take them through the winter. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more. Bovine veterinarian indicates that keeping one cow over the winter can cost you over $200 at least to provide feed and supplements. And this depends on your operation. And if that cow is not pregnant, that is money just wasted. So finding these open cows in the fall is well worth the money of pregnancy diagnosis. A recent study indicated that only about 20% of cow-calf producers use pregnancy diagnosis in their management plan. And even if you only find one open cow in the herd, $200 will pay for pregnancy diagnosis on quite a few cows. Options for pregnancy diagnosis include rectal palpation, rectal ultrasound, or blood testing. Of course, all of these methods require the cow to be restrained in a chute, and if you're in the cow-calf business, you need a really good chute and alley regardless. The advantage of ultrasound or palpation is the results are immediate, so you can send open cows directly to a cold pen, whereas one of the blood tests requires 20 minutes. The accuracy of rectal palpation, especially in early pregnancy diagnosis, depends a lot on the experience of the veterinarian. The blood test will accurately diagnose pregnancy as early as 28 days, but the cow must have calved over 75 days ago to avoid hormones from the previous pregnancy that could still be present. Rectal palpation can determine pregnancy around 35 days and ultrasound as early as 25 days. So check with your veterinarian about the best option for pregnancy diagnosis, but it is important to pregnancy check your cows. If you have any questions, about today's program or any of our programs, contact me at TexVet at TXFB.org. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's an opportunity for Texas landowners interested in enhancing grassland habitat for pollinators and quail. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. The Natural Resources Conservation Service and the Rio Grande Joint Venture are now accepting proposals from landowners in South Texas who are interested in creating or enhancing grassland bird habitat for pollinators, scale quail, northern bobwhite, and grassland birds. Jesus Franco, Assistant Coordinator for the Rio Grande Joint Venture, joins us again with more. We are focusing our projects primarily on improving habitat for northern bobwhite, as well as improving habitat for the scale quail here in South Texas. And so depending on what specific project uh, the landowner wants to work on, the minimum requirement for bobwhite projects are, is 25 acres, and the minimum acreage for scale quail projects is 160 acres. They are considering smaller acreages depending on the expected impacted area and currently available habitat. To be eligible for this funding, landowners or managers must be in one of the following counties. 
Brooks, Duvall, Hildago, Jim Wells, LaSalle, McMullen, Jim Hogg, Starr, Webb, or Zapata. The western half of Kennedy, Kleberg, Live Oak, and Willacy counties are also included. The deadline to submit a proposal is October 13th. Landowners work in coordination with a project manager, usually a local NRCS, Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, or Fish and Wildlife Service biologist, to prepare and submit the proposal to the South Texas Grassland Restoration Incentive Program. Eligible management practices include prescribed burning, grazing, fire breaks, invasive herbaceous plant control, range planting, early successional habitat development, and brush management. Landowners must contribute to the project an equal amount to the amount of funding requested. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. While the cattle market is off to a good start, another higher close in both live and feeder cattle futures today. But we saw the cotton and grain markets move lower. We'll have a complete recap of today's livestock, cotton, grain, and energy markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to oli.org for info. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Another higher day for cattle futures as we see both live and feeder cattle ending in positive territory today. October live cattle up 95 cents, 108.90. December up $1.47, 113.12. February live cattle up $1.20, 116.22. Even bigger gains in feeder cattle. October feeders up $2, 142.92. November feeders up $2.67, 143.77. January feeders up 252, 141.67. Checking the cash fed cattle market, all quiet so far here on Tuesday. It looks like the feedlots are asking 108 and higher this week, but no bids reported from the Packers. Of course, as we mentioned, two days now of higher futures may help out these feedlots get another dollar or two out of the Packers this week. Boxed beef prices are higher, choice up six cents, 217.78. Select up a dollar seventy two oh eight twelve. Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. Giddings Livestock Commission, Giddings, Texas, selling seven hundred fifteen head yesterday. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers brought a dollar thirty to a dollar ninety five. Three to four weights a dollar thirty to a dollar ninety seven. Four to five hundred pounders a dollar thirty to a dollar seventy six. Five to six hundred pound steers, a dollar eighteen to a dollar fifty seven. Six to seven weights, a dollar sixteen to a dollar thirty three. With seven to eight hundred pound steers bringing a dollar six to a dollar twenty four a pound. Slaughter cows, twenty five to fifty four cents. Slaughter bulls, sixty four to eighty nine. Stocker cows, five twenty five to nine hundred a head. Cow calf pairs, seven sixty to nine sixty a pair. Nixon Livestock Commission in Nixon, Texas, sold 1,173 head yesterday. The trend was steady to higher. 
two to three weight steers, a dollar thirty-one to a dollar ninety-four. Three to four weights, a dollar thirty-seven to a dollar ninety-two. Four to five hundred pounders, a dollar thirty-two to a dollar eighty-one a pound. Five to six weight steers, a dollar seventeen to a dollar sixty-one. Six to seven hundred pounders, a dollar twelve to a dollar forty. And those heavyweights, seven to eight weight steers, brought a dollar ten to a dollar thirty-three a pound. Slaughter cows, twenty to sixty-five cents. Slaughter bulls, seventy-five to eighty-six. Stocker cows, five hundred to nine sixty a head. Cow calf pairs, seven fifty to nine fifty a pair. Back over to the futures market. Lean hogs dropped lower today. October down thirty-two cents, seventy-two thirty-seven. December down two o five, closing at sixty-one ninety-seven. October class three milk up thirty-eight cents, nineteen twenty-three a hundredweight. The cotton market closed lower. Looks like some technical factors pushing this market lower this week. We actually started out strong yesterday morning, but we had a turnaround during the day. The market ended up closing lower. We saw a lot of follow-through trading in that today, pushing the market lower as well. USDA, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, issuing crop progress numbers this week. The 2020 cotton crop, 43% good to excellent. That's down a couple of points from last week's 45% good to excellent. 66% of bowls open across the cotton belt. We close with December cotton down 40 points, 65.29. March cotton down 35, 66.03. A lower close in the grain markets. December Kansas City wheat down six and three quarters, 476 a bushel. New crop July wheat down six and a half at five dollars and three quarters of a cent. December corn was down two cents, closing at 364 and three quarters. Energy markets lower today. November natural gas took a big drop down 25 cents to close at 253. November crude oil down a dollar sixty, trading at $39 even. And a quick look at the financial markets. The Dow Jones down 111 points, 27,492. The S&P down 13 at 3,337. The Nasdaq down 27 at 11,089. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all the latest news in Texas agriculture. Be sure to check us out. I'm Kerry Martin for Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.